Hey guys, it's Nisha from Did You Have To? And so here's what happened. For the second year, the Bawaii Geek community is rallying to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Finding Cures, Saving Children. Throughout the month of October, we are fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. Donate now at stjude.org forward slash So here's what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I am your host, Nisha, joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn, what's up? What's up? We are back again, and it is spooky season, which is nice, (laughs) which, yeah, that's all I have to say. Except for the Candy Crush, I'm saying Candy Crush, what's it called now? Candy corn? Yes, the the candy corn. Demon candy? Mm-hmm. The triangle. You mean Satan's candy? The de- the devil's candy. candy. <laughs> made made from the tears. Made from the tears of the of of, of some kind of um, some kind of demon. Like yes. candy candy corn is the evil most. Oh. Yes, I hate it it's with every depression. fiber in my being, as everyone should know by now. But as y'all also may know or have seen at this point, at the time this episode is out, y'all know that our fundraiser for St. Jude Play Live um, is going on for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So if you would like to see me suffer and eat candy corn, you could do that for $15. So (laughs) that's still not a I know, I'm like, I'm doing it for the kids, but I do do this because I love the children and apparently y'all love to see me suffer because I just I can't stand it it's too sweet like I don't know how to describe it it's compacted it's essentially compacted sugar in the shape of corn but it's like but it's not like a, it's not like a, a good kind of sweet it's just awful I call I say it tastes like right. depression at hopes and dreams deferred yes because I'm like it's not like a gushers it's not like a twizzler it's not sweet like mm. you know a sour can like I like sour candy like give me a, a an, Ooh, or air an airhead, like things like that. But nonetheless, this is an, a, a podcast about candy. <laughs> um, so let's get right into it. So we're gonna switch things up a little bit because as we felt September went by it like a blur, but it also felt mm-hmm. like it was a year ago at this point. But we did still want to talk about one of our favorite films that came out d- during that time period, and that is Shang-Chi. And it's the full title is Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings, correct? Yeah, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And the Legend, yes. So I will hand it over to Carolyn if she wants to like just give the details of the director and all that good info. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton with story by Dave Callahan and Cretton. It stars Simon Liu as the protagonist, Shang-Chi, Aquafina, and E. Norlun as his best friend Katie, or so I heard because I haven't seen it, and Tony mm-hmm. Leung as Mandarin or Xu Wai, Fala Shen as Deko Wu, Mang Zhang as Xi Liang, Michelle Yeo as Yang Nan, and Florian Montenu 
as razor fist and then it's like it's like a whole big cast so like mm -hmm. those are just the top listed one because but there's like way more people there's like benedict wong as wong hey and yay, andy our Le. boy <laughs> yay and then andy Le as death dealer mm, nice well, I just mm -hmm. want to start off and ask you, like, so first impressions when we heard that we were getting this movie, what were yours? Uh, I was actually interested into it because, like, you know, I'm not really a comic person, but I had known mm -hmm. of Shang-Chi, but I didn't know, like, the whole legend stuff. I even went to, like, the comic book store and I got, like, a couple issues and I read them. Mm. And, but then, like, I will admit, I kind of lost interest because comics really aren't my thing. Yeah. So, but I, but I did kind of just want like a cursory knowledge of it, and I was happy like like for everybody like to have like a, an Asian centered Marvel film. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yes, you have like you get like proper Asian representation, and I was thinking not only just Asian because like you have to remember there's Asian and there's Asian American, and yeah. then but the thing is like and like the thing but the thing with the film and like the thing about how it was being promoted is like people thought it was Asian American. I'm like, which Asian Americans? Because it's a predominantly Chinese culture this is predominantly chinese american culture like asian america right. that you have to like consider there's southeast asian south asian and you know there's vietnamese thai taiwanese south korean japanese these are all fall under the umbrella of asians so like but the film mm -hmm. isn't necessarily about all asians it's predominantly from my understanding from what i've seen and from talking to people predominantly chinese and chinese american culture Right. Yeah, that out of the way. But people were like happy. People, were like, yes, we finally have a Marvel film directed by an Asian American, starring mm -hmm. Asian Americans and starring Asians from like, especially from like you. You have like Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh, who are like we you know amazing like Chinese and Hong Kong mm -hmm. performers. And Michelle Yeoh actually is not. Michelle Yeoh is actually Malaysian, so mm. we have that representation in there too. But I think it's like really good. I, I was all excited for my friends. I was like, yes, we're going to get a representation. I'm like, yes. And like the mm -hmm. costumes are great. The cast is great. But what yeah. I thought was interesting in the film is like a lot of the conversation has mainly, mainly been about Tony Leung. And then there's the character, um, his, the Shang-Chi's sister, who's the character played by Mara Zhang, um, Shi Liang. Mm -hmm. She's the one a lot of people have been talking about. So that like, you can give us all the details or that, as much as we want to give about the film. Yeah. Because as I said, I haven't seen it, so I don't know, like, cursory knowledge from talking to people like you and to others mm -hmm. about the film. Let's get into it, Nisha. Yeah, so I can get into it. So kind of like, similar to you, I was excited about it because like, oh yeah, no, this is a big deal for representation because I felt like very much like how Black Panther for us was like, this is a great moment because finally you have like, you know, like you said, you have a Chinese director, you have like this amazing cast that allows all this representation. And it's like, it does all of these things and it makes, and I feel like, oh, this is great because I love when other people get the representation that they deserve. Cause I, yeah, no, we got to feel this way when Black Panther came out. So it was like, mm -hmm. this is awesome. I definitely was like, I don't know nothing about Shang-Chi. <laughs> I have not, I have not, like, I don't read comics that intense, like that, I, I'm, I read comics from time to time, but my biggest problem with comics, because, and like, this is why I love manga more, is because manga are easier to follow. I'm never going to have to go read a one series that crossovers with another series in a manga. Manga is comprehensive, and it's one franchise, and it's not to say that that's a bad thing when it comes to like American like Western comics specifically however for me 
it kind of irritates me when it becomes so embedded in the characters that I can't even tell. Like, it's like the Justice League, you got to read Wonder Woman volumes one through seven, but then, oh, she's got to, she's going to go and the story is going to continue in Justice League volume 58. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. even know what happened in the first 57 volumes. <laughs> That's also my problem with comics. Like there's so many crossovers, so many variants, so many storylines, so many volumes and editions special editions and all these things to keep right. track of I'm like and like growing back up growing up back home in Barbados like comics were expensive like I had mm-hmm. comics but like I couldn't really get into them because they were expensive and my mom was like we ain't got to kind of money spending on these comics and then it's like you gotta be spending like so much money to like keep track of just like one storyline or one you have x-men but then you have like x-men crossovers yeah but, like 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 can't keep track of so like kudos to anyone to all the all my fellow right. comic um, nerds who are able to like keep track of all that stuff because you guys like your knowledge your brain. it's a lot I, I mean and granted i know there are some runs where like the stories are contained and it's just in that run for like that artist and writer and that like series like that like series or whatever that they're doing for mm-hmm. the for the character but then i'm just like i don't know where to start so i get confused but nonetheless yeah. getting back on track for the film um <laughs> I think it was very good. Um, The story, again, because this for me is a branch, it's branching. When I think of Marvel and the MCU, like, I think of it as almost like a tree where like you have so many different parts. You have space, you have earth, you have aliens, and then you have like gods, and then you have like all these different things. So then Shang-Chi kind of like branches off into a new, like, territory because you know a story that has been told before we haven't touched this area with like these characters before and they like in the lore that's with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings like there's lore there in the MCU that hasn't been like seen before or if it's been seen we have we haven't like gotten it in the in this like it to the attention that we did now because obviously like having Wong like be a little cameo in the film like that was great and it's just like, oh, wait, now, does that mean Wong has some kind of connection to Shang-Chi's story, like somewhere in the company? Like, you know, it branches off other things and other theories and all that. But getting to the story, um, I would say in the, the story and like my take on it overall, I would say the cast did a great job overall. Um, I think the I think I was most impressed with I'm sorry, you said her name, um, the actress who plays. Yes her I was very very impressed with her performance um and like her character like I I find but like I'm very much excited to see her again in the MCU um Simu Liu I think he does a great job as a leading man in this in this film um because you know I feel like I've only seen him in maybe one to two films and then Kim's Convenience I have not seen him be a leading man in like the in in a film like this before and that's what kind of that's what impressed me I'm like okay this is good for like his first like big major action hero role and I think Mm -hmm. um given more time and I want to I look forward to seeing like you know more of his work in the role I will say (sighs) He just, I just always think of him as being like comedic, like he is Jong on um, Kim's Convenience, but he was able to very much do those very emotional and then high action moments in the film. So he does, a, mm. I think he does a pretty good job as Shang-Chi. Um, Aquafina, 
I, like many other people who have already talked about their, I don't want to say mis, like grievances or whatever with Aquafina when it comes to her acting. I, it's not that I don't think she, that I think she's a bad actor. I just feel like it's the black scent for me. <laughs> it's the black scent for me too. And also like, to me, she honestly really isn't that good of an actress because like people are talking about, oh, she got all these accolades for the fear. And I'm like, she gave me, she gave the least impressive performance in that entire film. Right. I think the right. black scent is not as heavy as it was like when we saw Crazy Rich Asians, which I will say is an improvement. I definitely applaud, ev- like I can't remember who the journalist was who basically called her out on the black scent during the interviews for the press Did tour for Shang-Chi. What'd you say? Yeah, but they should have pressed her more because she that answer she gave was... Oh, that, that answer was, you know... But, aggressive as hell because you could tell she was angry and if I, the journalist should have pressed her just like, like you're not gonna i would have been like so you're not gonna expand on this no but you know at I least mean, the answer because it's been like what three years and no one this is the first time anyone has ever asked her about that yeah exactly because it's just like it's one of those things where i'm like oh, i can believe that people can change and grow beyond those things but like when i see it i'm just uh, I'm, i feel like i'm a harsh critic of like that when mm-hmm. it comes to her so i'm like at the, at the slightest hint of it i'm just like mm, i'd be looking for it um so i don't think she did it much here but for me i like i it's just like that's my first interpretation like my first reaction with her when it's in, like when it's when she's in a in a piece and I hate to say mm-hmm. that, but I'm like, you know, I look forward to seeing when she's completely done with that. And maybe there'll be a piece, like a film, where I won't feel that way about her anymore. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, Floria Montanu is Floria Montanu, which is, all, he showed up to be beef, beefy, handsome, and, you know, an, a- an action villain. <laughs> That's all, he understood the assignment. <laughs> I guess he did. Well, he kind of did. Well, he's, I think he's not a bad actor because, like, he was in Creed too, and he was actually really impressive with Creed. And, and a lot of people were like, I think, apart from like the main plot and everything, like, he was, I think, the most impressive thing about Creed too because like, people were like, Whoa, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, he did a pretty darn good job. For someone who doesn't have that many lines, like outspoken lines, Florian Munchen knows how to command a room with his facial expressions. And I will forever be impressed with his performance in Creed because I'm like, you told his entire story with your facial expressions and a few lines and you made me feel for your character. Mm -hmm. I'm just, and you know, he's, he gets to be a little bit of a comedic um, relief here in this film, which I think is also kind of different again, because this is now the second piece that I've seen him in. Um, Other performances, um, Michelle Yao, Michelle, yeah, I just, <laughs> there is nothing else to flawless. be said. She's flawless. She's amazing. She's the blueprint. <laughs> she and she does the thing and she does the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Fight choreography, loved it. Loved it all. I want more of it. So like this is like if this is what we can come to expect when we have like Shang Chi's, um, you know that branch of the MCU. I look forward to seeing more fight choreography. I I, lo- I love like old school, because we've talked about it. We both are fans of old school Kung Fu movies. Yep. Um, and I would love to see more of that. Like, you know, the fighting, the hand-to-hand combats. Like there's, they're doing some amazing stunts, especially like when there's the scenes where like they are fighting on bamboo stalks that are on the side of the building. And like, just like the, like obviously 
we, I know there's stunts people involved and there have to be wires, but again, it's amazing. And I think they mm-hmm. did a great job. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I, re- I highly recommend people to go see it. One, if you feel comfortable enough going to a theater, but I'm pretty sure this will be on Disney Plus and, you know, maybe by New Year's. I could see them putting it out there on by New Year's. It would have been out by now, but, you know. The whole Scarlett Johansson thing is kind of like why they didn't go through with releasing it. So they've not, I don't think we're going to get any more movies released for on Premiere Access, unfortunately. That's just my oh, well, Premiere Access. Yeah. Or I think Premiere Access is just going to be something that you get maybe three months after a theatrical release. Like mm. that's that, that's just my prediction when it comes to after watching what happened with Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. <laughs> hmm. Well, I won't be seeing it until it's on Disney Streaming Plus because I said I am not going to pay to watch that for particular reasons, which we have not mentioned, but yeah involving the main actor and also because i'm feeling petty about it too and like i like you like i don't i don't think i'm not sure if i've ever if i mentioned it here since then but like, i had covid so like i'm hesitant to attend the cinema in general and when for tiff the only thing that i saw in the theater was hellbound which is a south korean drama and like it's directed by one of my favorite directors yon san ho who did train to busan which is my all-time favorite movie and I'm like, only me and six other people are inside that entire theater. Mm-hmm. Everyone was masked. Everyone like, that was the only reason I watched it. And I'm like, this is it. That's my, that's Listen. my one exception. Other than that, no. It's the way I literally cannot pull myself to go to theaters like I used to go. Like I used to be like, yeah, I'll go for an afternoon showing. Now it's like, only way I'm going is if it's in the smallest theater and it's not packed. And like, I will wait until the last minute to buy my ticket to see who, how many people are in there. Mm-hmm. And that is how I will go. But I'm like, I'm not going, it's far and few between because it's, yeah. I just, you know, it just depends on how, like what everybody's safety is. Like, what are you comfortable with? Because yes, people should, people better be wearing their mask the entire time. But at the same time, I can't see what the person behind me, in front of me, or to the side of me is doing. So exactly, and like there are people eating, and like you can be eating if you have a mask. You if you have a mask. So if you're eating, that means you don't have your mask on, which is like <laughs> no, you're defeating yeah. the entire purpose. I know, but it is the state of where we are at right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So until that changes, or until like these studios get a better way for us to access and watch things i mean shoot i would be i would pay for a one-time viewing for 15 dollars. i think that's reasonable because that's what i would pay for a theater i don't know why that can't be replicated but 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 well they for the streaming services they're charging 30 dollars they want to charge 30 i know it's madness because i think of it out it i think about it from like you know from a business side of things they definitely are like Okay, they don't minimum. need that money. They don't need. They can't. They, they can't afford to. Act. They can afford to charge five dollars because oh, they don't care. Got their money triple triplicate. Oh, and subscriptions they, and everything else. Like they don't care. They they're not gonna. They don't care about like what's affordable for us. They're gonna charge what they believe people are willing to pay. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. If I, if they say thirty and people pay thirty, they won't make it lower than that. I'll be forever bitter. I know. Forever bitter that I paid to see that Black Widow movie. 
that is why I sent the collection plate around to everybody in the room. I was like, we will watch it if everybody puts $6 in this plane. Because <laughs> I am not paying $30 myself. I'm so bitter about that. I'll be yeah. uh, But anyways, moving on to the next topics, because we have some dramas to talk about, some TV shows. I'm mm-hmm. excited. So as y'all have probably watched by now, if y'all haven't, y'all should. And we're going to tell you why. Squid Game. Or as some yes. of us have been calling it, Squid Games. <laughs> Which I don't know why, because there's no S there. Because, and you know, I'm going to talk about my family right now. It's like, I feel like it's just a, a small portion of the Black people who put just add S at the end of it. Squid Games. No, it's not, it's, I don't, that's, not, that's a Black thing, because Black West Indians do the same. We put S at the end of things, like, for no reason at all. <laughs> that's everyone who says Squid Games. But anyways, um, yes, so let's talk about Squid Game. Because, woo, what a game it is. Very extremely popular show that has been sweeping the globe. And it is written and directed by Huang Dong-yuk, stars Lee Jong-ae and Park Hae-soo as the two main characters. And in the ensemble, because this is a very big ensemble cast, you have Oh Young-soo as Oh Yin-nam, Jung Ho-yeon as Kang Se-byuk, uh, Ho Sung-tae as Jung Duk-soo, Kim Joo-rang as Han Min-yo, and Chilapati Anupam as Ali Abdul. So this drama is so, I it's good. I have, I do have issues with it, but we will get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I will let Lanisha start off with this because this was her choice to discuss. So Nisha, start the, let's start the game. <laughs> start the, no, let's not start this game. <laughs> No, I. So we're not gonna start the game. Okay, let's. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no, we'll get into it. So yeah, no, the series centers on a a contest where 456 players drawn from different walks of life, but each deeply in debt, play a set of children's games with deadly consequences for losing, for a chance to win 45.6 billion dollar prize, which the dollar is in the Korean song. It's different. So the yeah won. So, um, and yeah, so that's the premise. I won't go into too deeply because I feel like there's just like, like Carolyn said, this is a massive cast and it's just very impressive of how the show does so well with pacing. We're like of the main cast that we do see, how we see their mm-hmm. walks of life. And then then we're taking, we're taken from like their walks of life into putting them into the game. So yeah, I watched this. I binged it in two days. It's so good. Like the premise is wild. I to take something like children's games, like you know, red light, green light. I think I will forever associate red light, green light <laughs> with this show. <laughs> Cause before it was an innocent child game. Now it's a game where if you move on red, you get shot and you did. So um I was very very I was very intrigued by the show I was told about it from like a few different people and I kept seeing it like circulating on Twitter like people kept talking about it um I think since it came out like the last two weeks maybe people have just been talking about this show and I was like all right I'm gonna start it Carolyn I did not know what I was in store for (laughs) that first episode (laughs) girl I screamed (laughs) it's wild um 
I just feel like this is a this is a really great show. I thought um, as far as it goes, like I think it's got plenty of action for it to be like a survival show. And then like there's the drama side of things. And then at the, I'm very impressed with how the creator of it, like the writer, like how it's like how they tell the story. Like I really had a hard time of who I was rooting for because like, you know, there is the main, main character who we all should be rooting for. However, I had other characters that I was rooting for much more than him. And I but was that's fine. A, that's the thing, like, he's not, like, um, uh, uh, Song Gi-hun, who's the lead character played by Lee Jong-jae, Lee Jong-jae mm-hmm. like, he's not meant to be a sympathetic character. Right. He's not. He's a he's jerk not. from beginning right up until the end of the, film, the show. Like, mm-hmm. he only redeems himself, I would say, in the last five minutes of the show. Because... Mm-hmm. He's a he, he's a fraud. He's a swindler. Like he's he was a he was a jerk to his mother. He didn't. He was selfish. He only cared about himself. Like he, you know, and like mm-hmm. he was a gambler. Like he was a gambling addict. Everything he did was about to supporting his habit. He didn't want to work properly because he he would rather like waste the day doing nothing. Yeah. All of these people are like that. That's the whole point of it. And like no one is meant to be sympathetic except. I would say Jung Ho Hyung, whose who's character um Kang Sebok, um Kang Sebyok, and mm. Ali played as I said played by Anupam, and it's like like everyone else is a douche, but like they do have their own motivations. Like one of the characters, um Han Minyo, she actually I think like she was misunderstood because like she mm-hmm. she seems like this extremely harsh woman as she's a and she's mean to other women, but I think her character is a discussion of how, uh, like, kind of like almost like a type of, a type of internalized misogyny. Right. And then when you look at South, but then when you also have to consider South Korean culture, mm-hmm. um, like it's a very conservative culture. It's also very patriarchal. It's very male dominated, and like women have to kind of like find ways to survive. Like she was a pro at playing the game because she had to learn how to play the game. Mm-hmm. in real life she had to learn how to play the game by men's rules right, right. and that's something a lot of people are not taking up and one of the and like a lot of and her thing is like education and this is something i want to go in a bit and like be, like there was a discussion of talking about um the subtitles and the closed captioning so like All if right. you watch and it's not only soft green if you watch any mm-hmm. show on netflix any film on netflix that is not originally in english and you watch this and you the sub and you you turn on the subtitles the subtitles suck. Like they're not that accurate. And I'm not blaming the subtitles, like the people whose job it is to right. type them. You have to blame the script writers and you have to blame Netflix because Netflix is in charge. Like their qual whoever's in their quality control department mm-hmm. does not apparently care enough to make sure that all of their subtitles are accurate. And part of the reason for that is like they have so much content. All they care about is acquiring as much content as possible and setting it out as quickly as possible, they're not doing any quality control on the subtitles. So right. like you have inaccurate subtitles, one, and then when you have inaccurate subtitles, when you're talking about specific cultures, like South Korea or a lot of Asian cultures, there's nuances to the way they speak. There's nuances to the things that they say, a lot of context. Mm-hmm. So like even for her, her character, Hamyun, like there's a lot of things that she says in Korean that gives you an idea of how much she, like how her poor her being poor affected her her not being educated as in fact she wasn't able to afford to go to like a, a prestigious high school or go to a prestigious university she's she but she's street smart 
right? right. She's very smart, but she's not book smart, which in like South Korea, education is everything. Like where you go to school, like, you know, what you study, a lot of that is determines how people see you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that is lost in tra- literally lost in translation right. because like right. the subtitles don't convey that. So a lot of people read her wrong, and I read a lot of the characters wrong. I think like there was a discussion today um um the day we recorded it's like someone was talking about Ali. So like the way that he refers to um Sangu, he says um Sajanin, which is kind of like a, a, a referral to something that you call somebody usually a man. Who's, who has a higher position than you, who has like, you know, a, a seniority position that over you. And that's cultural. And like, there are people mm-hmm. that are saying, oh, it's like him being sniveling and him being um, like subjugated. And I'm like, no, it's a cultural, that's just how they speak. Like there's honorifics. So right. In Chinese and Japanese, there's honorifics. So I refer to people. South Korea has the same thing. There's like, there's like name, which is what you used to add on like um, a, a level of seniority and respect. To a person's right. title then there's like young which is how you refer to a person a man older than you that you're close to and like these there's nuances to these things and because you don't get that in soft in like the translation you miss it so like they would put someone's name the character is not calling the person by their name they're calling them by the by the title that they refer to them as which has a lot of meaning but you don't get that so right. like when you're talking about things like squid game and that's the thing but this show has blown up so much i'm like but you people are looking at it from a very american perspective and you're not interested in learning the context or the history and the references made in this show and it bugs me but we're going to go past that because that's a whole long discussion <laughs> no but, i know yeah. because I, I just really quick on the subtitles like because i even made a tweet about it and i pointed it out because it's like yeah the issue isn't with like anyone involved i think with the studio or the show it definitely comes down to the platform because it's like we can't yell at the people who translated you know the script and like the dub that we're hearing because they probably were involved in like working together with the script writers and the translations and all that so when netflix gets it you know or like however it works because again netflix, I don't, um, netflix is responsible for hiring the translators for the subtitles they're responsible for hiring yes, the translators yes. for the closed captioning which is different to subtitles and yes. they're and they're responsible for hiring the dubbers who are the voiceover actors that do the like the american or our german or spanish or whatever right. language version that they're doing apart from the original so that's all. All of these inconsistencies lay squarely on Netflix's feet. And I say this, and I say this with mm-hmm. confidence because I watch, you know, I watch dramas on other streaming platforms like Vicky and then there's VTV. And when you look at the, if I, if Netflix, I can guarantee you if Netflix was to be, if this show was to be subbed on like a platform like Vicky, you will see the difference in the subtitles immediately because Vicky's subtitlers mm-hmm. do an X excellent job of of doing subtitles for the for the shows and the films that they do mm-hmm. and that was the point i was going to get to um is just that like when i look so the example i have is like when i watch anime and i watch when i watch subbed and when i watch dubbed anime i for example watch on funimation funimation has mm-hmm. their english voice dub cast that they hire to dub the scenes and everything that's already been created so by the studio Mm -hmm. so like when these properties are all working together and quality control is in place then of course the subtitles are going to match the dub um and then it's like so like when again like because i very similar to you it's like going back to the other thing about people who were kind of like only seeing it from their perspective especially with ali's character and i just like y'all not 
y'all not getting it. Cause like I have some experience again with like understanding, yeah, no, there's honorifics in certain languages. And because that's going to be in those translations, you're not going, you're going to think, oh, this is messed up that they had this character, that they had this character saying that. I'm like, actually, no, that's the culture. That, that, this matches with what, what, what he's saying because of like the culture and where they're at. So it's just, I just wish people would just not reach so hard. But I do, going back to the other thing, I would, I would like to see like in the future because Netflix has a lot of international dramas just a better job with quality control when it comes to this kind of stuff. Just because, like, it's not, I just feel like the differences between what's being said out loud should not be so glaringly different between mm. what is in the subtitles. Cause that's the issue. It's one thing if it's one word and it's just like a small change, like maybe they yeah. said and instead of like a. Like, you know, something like that. It's another thing when you've rephrased the entire sentence and then you've had like people who are fluent in Korean commenting on this online, literally saying like, what is being said in the subtitles is not the same thing as what she just said. So it's literally not conveying, like, just like what you said, it's lost in translation completely and it's not being conveyed correctly. But yeah. Agave got that one out of the way because that was definitely something that annoyed me with the with this. And this again, it's not a reflection on the show itself. It's definitely something about the platform that it's on. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I guess who was your favorite character? Ali, Ali. I I really liked Ali, and like I do have a a lot of the reason why I like Ali is because of the character of who he's played by. Like I think Anupam did an extremely good job. Mm-hmm. of like giving him like a lot of like heart and a lot of emotion and like he he connects to the audience and like this isn't the first drama i've seen him in before actually i've seen him in a couple of dramas he's had mm. like small bit parts in shows like um the sentence of the sun mm-hmm. like i love the trajectory of the trajectory of his career because he started from like small background characters like with no dialogue like in the sentence of the sun and then in um between um just between lovers he actually has speaking role he had a speaking role in there and he was a friend of one of the main characters grandmother like he had a really good close connection and like he was her friend and like so like to go see him like his his career like just changed and he's getting like a main supporting character role. i think that's amazing mm. and i think also they said like he like gives the character a lot of heart but i do have problems with his characterization in that he's a bit too naive um and the reason i say this is mm. that he he trusted anything. He trusted trusted Sangwoo a bit too easily, like you know, like the whole thing with giving him his marbles, and Oof. and then like not checking to make sure that the bag had the actual marbles. I thought that was, to me, a bit naive. And I and I and I mean, especially considering everything that he's seen happen in the show in the game so far, he yeah. should have been a bit more skeptical. You know what I mean? Like I understand the trying to say his character is nice because we see we saw like the scenes with his his wife and his son, and we see that his naturally his personality is very nice, and you know he's very thoughtful. But then he's in this extremely dangerous setting. He's seeing people get killed and slaughtered in front of his eyes. He's seeing people betray each other. I thought him trusting Sangu like that was a bit too easy, and I yeah. didn't like that. I didn't like that characterization of his writing of his character at all. Yeah, because I just feel like. After like three days, so like four games by now, y'all have played. I'm not trusting anybody, mm-hmm. but to his own fault, it's like he was just too 
trusting because like Ooh. I think about even like there's the character there's the two characters where like they're a husband and a wife and they play together and there's the marbles one and obviously like that's a completely different story that we didn't even get to see how that one went down but it's yeah. like bruh people are dying like there is like and you have to and I get that like I guess like the thing that I'm not I'm it's not that I'm because yes I do agree that he is just like very very trusting and too trusting to his own fault which I guess is just it's a lesson in in and of itself sometimes that you can't trust everyone but then at the same time I just think like nobody literally sees what song like that that song is literally playing and using them and I was just kind of like like and I'm just like yo none of y'all none of you see that he's using you until like it took up into like the game and I'm gonna call that game hopscotch because I don't know it made me think of hopscotch but it's the glass they never gave it I don't I can't remember if they called it a game name that was you know what if they did I probably didn't pay attention because that was the worst episode of the entire show that was one of the awful horrendous white characters played by these can't at white men and I just wish I could forget that entire episode. I wish I could. It was so bad. They spoiled the entire episode. The fact that we find out that the VIPs that are like betting and like, and I'm just like, please tell me that it's like this entire games are not just for these five white men. Please tell, please not, please tell me it's not just, and I'm like, it obviously it doesn't make me feel any better. If it was like we found out that like oh no it's the top one percent around the world that are watching the game but these are the vips that showed up to watch either way i'm disgusted but i'm just like so y'all doing all this for the white man this what? yeah that i think that actually kind of speaks a lot to south korean culture in how a lot of companies are run by american companies and then also mm-hmm. like how america is a global um, you know, just like a global force that a lot of countries are trying and doing their best to become on equal levels to. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a commentary on that. Mm-hmm. But I think it could have been done better. Where first and first, have probably hired some white people that can act. But then again, I've never seen a white person in any Korean drama that can actually act. But I think the whole premise, I think that could have also been achieved if they had like the top one percent of South Korean um mm. society be there like the chairboats like like they could have been involved but yeah and i guess I it's still because we still because have i want to ask you about this because it's just like why mm-hmm. they just ruined the entire episode and they legit took me out of it because like once they made an appearance i could not bite into the reality that i was watching anymore like you know you could become mm-hmm. i became invested in the entire show the characters and all that then they made an appearance and it was like, well, I can't buy into this anymore because they took me out of it completely. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I see your point because like maybe it is just like, like a commentary one. And then I guess I also think about like, was the, was the creator just trying to make a point of just like, yeah, the most vilest person who would like seek joy from this could be white men. Hmm. Oh, no, for sure. Because I think, and it's also about how white, white people and white men objectify people of color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like, we've seen, this is nothing that we haven't seen. This is nothing that we don't know that happens in real life. Like, you know, there are white people go to South to Asian countries for um, sex right. tourism, you know, right. for, for, you know, for sexual exploitation, for things like that. These things do happen. And they believe that's a commentary on that. 
Mm-hmm. But again, these men are just horrible, horrible actors and gross. Because I hated the scene where the one white man got naked Ugh. and he was telling um the cop who is uh oh yeah the undercover cop the, the mm-hmm. cop played by Wee Jahoon. Oh my god, what's the name of the, car- the cop? But the car- I know the actor that's uh Wee Jun. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, why am I not seeing his the character's Jun name Ho? pop up? Oh, Ju- uh, wait, right. Wang Juno, played by Wee Ha Jun. Like, that character, the cop, he was undercover, but not officially, because he was there, like, we found out, like, to get revenge and to find out what happened to his brother. But, like, this man is, like, telling him to perform oral sex on him, and he's like, I can. And, like, you know, it's basically forced coercion and using his position of over over this person he believes works for the organization running the games. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, it was just gross and unsettling. And they literally skipped through that scene, because I'm like, gross, eh. Yeah, I'm glad, like, obviously, like, having watched through the scene, I'm glad that it nothing came of it. Like, there was no, like, like, he maneuvered his way out of it, and he got out of, got out of that situation. And, and honestly, I'll tell you, that's actually one of the... F- I have never, not I'm actually thinking about it, never seen in any K-drama where you get a full... Like, we didn't get full frontal nudity, but we saw right. this whole man's body is naked back. And that's the first right. time I've ever seen this. Because in K-dramas and in any Asian mm. drama, because their society is kind of cons- is conservative, like, you would get, like, you know, like, smudging out. You know, like, how they would, like, blur the person is naked. But And you know that the actor isn't naked because you can tell that they're wearing, like, a nude color underwear or mm-hmm. tights or something. This one, you know this old man is butt naked. And I'm just like, Wow. Okay, yeah. that's actually the first time I've ever seen that in a K-drama. That actually speaks hmm. a lot. And that's, I would just love to talk to the director about that because he made some interesting choices. Right. And no, it's interesting. Because I do have problems with it, but... Yeah, and, oh, speaking of problems, and this isn't a problem I have with the show. It's a problem I have with people reaching. Because, <laughs> you know, apparently it was going around on Twitter that people were comparing this, like saying how the creator copied Hunger Games. And I'm just going to say this real quick. First of all, if you got Hunger Games from this, you're, you are reaching, you're freaking doing Stretch Armstrong levels of reaching, because here's the difference. Hunger Games takes place in a dystopian future where children Mm -hmm. are nominated to come and write not come and write come and fight in a gladiator-esque battle to the death for the yeah right violent like the 12 children chosen to fight to the death this doesn't have that those children don't get those children don't play games these mm-hmm. children are not shot or like you know put have, have a gun that they had if they make a mistake they literally have to fight each other and they can get killed so again i would be it would behoove people to stop saying what something is like if you have not if you're if you have only watched the hunger games and that is watched it. something made by white people because the closest comparison of this which i would say is actually what the real inspiration as far is battle royale which is a mm-hmm. Japanese film from 2000. Right. And he and um, and Kwang, and Kwang Hyun Duk, he wrote the pitch, he wrote and pitched um, Squid Games in 2009, nine years after Battle Royale came out. So, and also Hunger Games, the writer for Hunger Games, she basically lifted the entire premise of Battle from Royale. Battle, right, from Battle Royale. And, and she made basically- it about white people, so. Right, and she threw in Rue and that was it. 
So. And you know what's the interesting thing too is like before and just before Squid Game started to get popular, people were comparing it to Parasite, which again, yes, a soft Korean film, nowhere close at all in premise, concept, execution, characterizations, Where? concept, nothing about it are Where? similar. The only thing similar about them is they were they were created in South Korea, made by and starring South Koreans. Oh my god. I just would like people to stop comparing things without like actual like okay if you're gonna make a comparison make sure you know what the difference between a comparison and you know drawing things that are like oh this reminds you of something it does not mean just because something can remind you of something does not mean that the artist copied it because the fact that like people pulled hunger games I was like but anyways um yeah so that's my I don't know. I liked it overall. I'm excited for a second season. I was very fear not not we furious. Don't need a second season. I mean, we don't need a second season. I'm excited for the second season only because of like, well, I guess I have to sit for a second season because he could not get on the plane. That's the only reason where I'm just like, I'm he excited. Need to, okay. No, see, this is what I take this so personally because if you watch Kurt not just South Korean dramas. If you watch Asian dramas, you know one season is how they do it. This is standard. This is their culture. This is their tradition. The creators make a show. They do one season. They let they set it free and let it live and roam out in and let it roam in the wild. Then they go on to create other stories. North Americans have this idea that everything must become serialized because they like you want you want you want a close ending. You want a definite ending. Everything doesn't have to have a definite ending. As I said, as I told someone, use your imagination. You can either have it that he didn't turn back and he went on the plane and he went to his daughter, or he turned back to go and get revenge. Options. There doesn't need to be a second season. There doesn't need to be a second season. And but I'll wasn't tell you it what, announced? So one of the reasons because if they make, because people have been saying they've been telling Netflix they want a second season, and you know how Netflix, you know why no Netflix will force us not to do it? Mm-hmm. Because why Netflix is an American company one. And who their 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 main their main base is America? Yes, Netflix is a is global. It's a global platform. But the the the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The audience that they listen to the most are Americans, predominantly white Americans. And you got all these white celebrities saying, "Ooh." You get all these white people online saying, ooh, we must have a second season. What will Netflix do? They will force that man to create a second season. But guess what? That second season won't be anywhere near as good for a season because his heart won't be in it because he said he doesn't want to, right? He wrote this thing, what, 11 years ago. He never intend, intended for this for the story to have a second season. He, he wrote this story 11 years ago knowing exactly how it would end. And he executed it the way he wanted it to. But now people are like, oh, forget what you want we want it so we're gonna have it but then if they do if he does write it, he's gonna write it to, to to appease an american audience to 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 suit an american audience and mm-hmm. then it won't be the squid games that you want it won't be the squid games that you have now it will be something completely different it will be this corrupted version of the original and this is my problem with i with north and this is one of the reasons i've i haven't watched a lot of north american productions is because you take they take a story and they drag it to death they drag it to death. And it's just like, I like it also, I don't want a second season. If anything, they can make a spinoff film, which has happened a couple of times, where you have a film that, that you can have to wrap up the story, which is probably the the, the, the cop. I know he ain't dead, because in, in like, my, my first rule of thumb, if someone doesn't die on screen, they ain't dead. So he'd probably come back 
to go back and try to get the brother. I'm like, what the hell is going on? He's gonna team up with um. He's gonna team up with our lead guy who is again, and they try to mm. go and take down the organization because these white men need to be dragged down. But they doesn't need a second season. It's just like a one and done and accept it. Move on. There's hot. There's hundreds. Hundreds of other K K dramas. You want another story? Let's go watch back. Go watch Alice in Borderland. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so speaking from Japanese my experience, drama. um, like I am familiar with like you know Asian dramas, anime, and like other like those kind of series that only have one season, and like that's it. Yep. Even if even if the stories are open ended, the only reason I thought like oh if there's a second season, it's just because of like there are a lot of open ended things, and people have been talking about a second season. So if the yes. creator does not, <laughs> but yes. if the creator does not want one let that man rest that's fine let the man rest he can the man definitely go and create, exhausted he can definitely go and do something else the fact that it took this long for him to get something like to get this created and he had to keep pushing for it and like studios turned him down and kept turning him down i'm very happy for him that he ha has had the success and if he doesn't want to tell the story anymore that is perfectly fine no, he no, does not want no, to no you just you, you brought us something else that i also wanted to mention so like there was this tweet the tweet i talked about hold the fight he wrote this 2009 no no korean studios wanted it and a lot that was that tweet was being sold as as this whole he was a suffering artist kind of thing because it said that he had to right. sell his he had to sell his laptop no what that tweet doesn't clarify is when he had to do that did it happen in the same 2009 and the reason i mentioned this is because he's actually a very successful filmmaker in south korea one mm. of his films the um silence starring gong yu is one of the most critically Claimed South Korean films ever. This film mm -hmm. is devastating. It's brilliantly made and brilliantly acted, and it broke my gar my gosh darn heart because it's based on a true story. So, like when I saw that tweet, I was like, "Yes, it's a good story about perseverance, but context is important because he wasn't a suffering artist for very long. He is, as I said, a successful film director in South Korea. He has about four or five films that he made mm -hmm. in between that time, including right. Silence and one called the um, Call Collectors." that was released in 2020 and has been showing successfully at film festivals, including Fantasia Fest, which we, which, which we covered. Yeah, he's so got I'm about like, 14. Yeah, he's got about actually 14 films that he's either been a director, producer, cinematographer, and yeah, on screenplays. Yeah, so he's doing just fine. So like when I saw Very the stories, so when I saw the stories about like, you know, the whole, I don't like when people like want to put on, you know, their own narrative onto things. I looked at that as like, wow, it took that long for like something this great that has entertained so many of us to get picked up. And it's just like, it's a, it's a I, I, you know, I, I applaud him for like shopping that script around and trying and getting yeah. it done. And it's not so much about like, see y'all just go and struggle and sacrifice everything and you'll get there too. Cause like you said, like we, y'all are leaving out the fact that like this man has 14 projects. <laughs> he had to sell his, his laptop, which he shouldn't have had to do. But like that happened, right. probably, did, like, did that happen early at his, in his career? Like mm -hmm. they didn't give context. They're making it seem like this is his first successful venture as a director. I'm like, no, it's not people context. Right. Important. And not only that, they, they're, when you look at this show, and there's so much historical references in it, like, for instance, the red light, green light game that a lot of people have been memeing, which I think is actually distasteful, is like that, that whole sequence is based, is a commentary on a real event where North, um, South Korean um, citizens were massacred mm -hmm. in a tunnel by US troops. That's what that whole scene is referencing. And people are memeing it and turning it into a joke and using it as art and set to sell to commodify. And I'm like, that scene is probably 
probably why it, they didn't sell it didn't sell what that scene and many other references in it is probably why he like it wasn't accepted when he first pitched it because like for instance the studios were like the time you're bringing this like we, our audience probably isn't ready for it mm. right so like there's called there's so much nuance and context that a lot of people aren't thinking because i was talking so i'm like like can it be also that is the what was going on in south korea at that time like they were like this is not the right time for us to be showing something like this on tv right it could yeah. be many things it could be many things that like again exactly. that people just that we the general public are not privy to that we do mm-hmm. not have that insight on like if that man ever like decides to like i don't know who knows maybe somebody will interview him and like he will share it his better story be someone with some common sense and not like some of these journalists who ask the most basic i'm sure we'll see uh, hopefully hopefully that won't be the case i would be interested to hear more about his experience like from like getting this made because i think i think it's impressive like you have created something for so long and to keep working towards getting it created you have i can't i can't help but applaud somebody for doing that well no for sure but that again what a lot of people also don't realize is when it comes to netflix like netflix didn't see the diamond in the rough of this you know what netflix does is they go to all of these different studios all around asia and they mass acquire scripts they mass acquire projects mm-hmm. right and they like uh, whichever one becomes a massive success like this is a purely by uh, by accident it's purely fluke that this show has blown up the way it has because netflix did what zero promotion for it <laughs> zero they've only sent out before the show is released i think like what three tweets yeah i definitely from the did not they, from the see it. yeah i definitely did not see this pop up on like netflix as like you know before it was a top trending show and now it's mm-hmm. set to be the highest streamed show of the year um and that was purely with by three, accident that was with three months left that's because like of the traction people like that's a lot of it is because of how many people were talking about it that has nothing to do and- with netflix pushing it at all like nothing yeah. Netflix now they're riding the wave now they're riding the wave of it of just like all the memes and all the stuff so anywho and, and then but then the other thing about it is like are any of these people that are memeing it are any these people talking about it are they going to watch any other korean dramas are they going to watch any other korean films are they going to go watch any chinese taiwanese japanese films no what are they doing they're focusing squarely on on, on squid games because this has become a gimmick for them it's becoming the trending topic and then once it's no longer trending, once it's no longer popular, they're going to go and move on to the next bright, shiny toy. And I, I honestly, I don't know if I can say it for the general public. I don't know if I can say that definitely. I think honestly, it could be, I could look at it as an opportunity to open the door for more people to explore Asian dramas, honestly, just, just because like they're just because like after, after my family had watched, I told them like, Hey, this is the show I've been watching. And then they're like, Oh yeah, this is good. And then I mentioned Alice in Borderlands is good. Now my family's watching that. And then my dad, he hadn't heard of, he had, he had not heard about Parasite. And I was like, you should watch Parasite if you like, you know, if you're looking for more. So like, I've seen like in my own circle of friends and family expanding their reach of watching like more Asian dramas beyond just like, you know, there, of course there are the massive hits that people will watch because they're trending and they're very popular and they show up in their feeds. But I am impressed to see that other people are like, this is, you know, 
at it's it, it can branch off for some people i'm not saying the mass majority of people will go and watch other asian dramas but i do think it's an opportunity for other folks to go and explore because now it's in the algorithm now maybe it'll pop up for a recommendation for them and they'll see more but we'll I guess see, we'll see. I, I am very skeptical and cynical when it comes to american consumerism <laughs> And how things are commodified by American audiences, like, because my experience as a, as someone watching from the outside, I just be like, woohoo! I the things that I see happen, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I think only time will tell. Like, we could see it happen. We could see if people like expand their reach and go and watch more things. Like, what was it that the director of Parasite had even said? Like, you see how like. I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically the sense of like what he had said was the one inch um, barrier. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, that's when he's talking about the subtitles. Don't let subtitles be like, yes. like Americans. He was he was talking about Americans, how especially white Americans or um, white people mm -hmm. in particular, um, they they're intimidated by the one inch barrier, so they can't be a, uh, they can't be bothered. Yes, that's what he said. Um, international films because it's in another language, which I think is so true, but also mm -hmm. absurd because like other people from around the world who don't speak English, everything they have to watch that comes out of America or England or Europe is subtitled. Mm -hmm. So like that, like for me, watching subtitled films like coming from um, from back home is like standard. Like watch any any Chinese um, Hong Kong action film is subtitled. Any British German subtitled any like you know right like but americans they're like yeah this is too much work i'm gonna stick to my plain old regular american dramas which are like paltry in comparison yeah i mean at the end of the day if people want the want want the one inch barrier to stop them from seeing other stories that's on them but i would hope that this could actually lead to people's finding more interesting stories and like you know this, these series that you know deserve the acclaim that they rightfully deserve get it um but i don't have any other thoughts on squid game so we can move on to midnight mass mm -hmm. okay so midnight mass is an american supernatural horror streaming television miniseries created and directed by mike flanagan starring zach guilford kate siegel uh, hamish link ladder link ladder samantha's link later thank you um samantha sloyan rahul kaoli and henry thomas so the plot centers on an isolated island community that experiences supernatural events after the arrival of a mysterious priest and it this is another netflix property and i will go into it so yeah i will say that i watched this completely on a whim and mainly because rahul is on it and i love him um i loved him since i zombie <laughs> he's he's so funny and charming and he did not mm -hmm. and he continues to never disappoint um but i will say that i was kind of impressed that like and i i got I put it on as just like you know it's something that i have on while i do my homework um and you know to like hold my interest and it's spooky season why not um yep. so i started watching it and i have to say i was very impressed with how much i got into this show how very quickly because by like the third episode my mouth dropped because and i and i say this because like i didn't like read any premise and i didn't like 
watch any trailer I just press play so I'm really getting into this as like okay I just see things as they're being told to me like y'all live on a, an island that's dying because there was an oil spill and some dude was a drunk driver some years ago and he killed a girl and now he got released from prison he's going back to the island okay continue the story so maybe there's drama here maybe like midnight mass church is involved all right we keep going we keep going vampires <laughs> basically yeah vampires a vampire <laughs> spoilers sorry but like i will say for me who was not paying attention to like certain like certain moments like that like i did not see the vampire coming in <laughs> like the reveal in episode three with the priest with monsignor um i was very I much mean, which, which which reveal you mean where he came back young so when in the beginning when he just shows up and he's the young priest and he's saying like oh no your priest is recovering he was sick and he, I, I met him there and i'm and he sent me here in, as his replacement so not then when he came back young, oh yeah but the reveal that oh the young that priest from right again me just putting it on i was just like oh i just thought like oh he's a vampire like by the second episode i'm like there's something spooky going on with this one there's something wrong with that priest maybe he's evil or he's satanic or like he's possessed no it wasn't that i thought mm -hmm. that the vampire made him young and it was the original priest that came back and the original priest was like one of god's angels revived me and hmm. healed me and made me young again and all i could think about was like sir sir that's a vampire mm -hmm. that's not god's angel <laughs> what i'm like that's a demon you're looking at right there and i didn't know angel that's a demon that's a, that's a demon what no and i'm like i get that you was aging and you know you wandered off into the desert which i have many questions how this old man wandered off into the desert in jerusalem by himself no one looked for him he just wandered off in the desert in jerusalem by himself and he ends up in a cave during a windstorm and a vampire appears <laughs> i have many questions but that by far is him thinking that the vampire was a blessing but you see the thing is because they said that he had dementia so like it's trying to show that he's confused and he's yeah seeing what he wants to see he's because he was a devout man of the cloth because he's catholic he was so they're saying that his like his his faith influenced his delusion yes right? i guess for me i would have thought when he became younger in the dementia like what we're, what we're supposed to else with that. he right when he was younger it's i think again maybe he was just in denial of that and it seems like mm -hmm. as the series went on he finally came out of that denial and realized oh no I've made a mistake. I've doomed us all. But, I've made a mistake. But you see, the thing is, is like I was discussing this with a friend on Twitter. Like we were saying, like, mm -hmm. do we even is it that we, the audience, knows it as a vampire? But does the culture, the lore, the mythology mm -hmm. of vampires even mm -hmm. exist in this universe? Because this because this this island mm -hmm. is very small, is very isolated. Yeah. And like they're very like it's either extremely devout Catholics mm -hmm. or people who have like completely given up on religion completely right and right. like yes there's communication with also where they have fairies and all that stuff and like people even come back but like we don't know if actually because i was wondering because like no one ever utters the word vampires like once they find That's out true. that his blood burns up in the sun 
and these things with these fangs are attacking them and people are turning into the blood sucking mm-hmm. murderers no one ever clues in and says vampire that's like, an excellent just- point because no one ever you're right no one ever does say vampire everyone so, looks at so- this as a blessing <laughs> i mean the church like people. Once they find out something is going on, they're like monsters, creatures, yeah. but no one ever yeah. makes a reference towards vampire or vampirism. Right. Which is interesting because like, even as I was watching as the series goes on, because again, spoilers are out, as we mentioned, the vampire walks in the church and I'm like, oh no, you're mm-hmm. supposed to burst in flames. Like, exactly. Like you, the vampire stood in front of a, stood in front of a, cru- a crucifix. You supposed to burn. <laughs> But, but no. that, that, that's the whole thing. So then again, this is about mm. do, does vampire exist in this mythology and and do the rules that we Not know, apply. like for instance, like garlic and cross apply to this particular style of vampire? Because the way how I saw this vampire's representation of is corrupted religion. So that's mm-hmm. what you could afford to walk into church because like this is a, a physical symbolism of religion yes. and belief and Christianity con- corrupted and, con- and turned into an evil, evil form. Mm-hmm. And um, and then also, uh, I had another thing I was gonna say, just and I forget. And and then all, and so like, they, I, like, cause I like tweeted as I was watching, well not yet, I tweeted, I made a couple tweets, but mm-hmm. like kind of this whole, this whole situation, this show kind of reminded me of this uh, phrase that we have back home in Barbados, where we say, even the devil know the Bible back to friend. Right. Right. Where where did that where like you said the devil and demons like religion don't scare them mm-hmm. because the devil came from God. The devil came from heaven. Like like they know who God is. They know like who's God's angels are. They know the word mm-hmm. of God. So they're not afraid of the Bible. They're not afraid of scripture. They can recite scripture just as or they can recite scripture better than anyone. Right? So they can mm-hmm. afford to walk in church and they're like, where did we come from? Like right. remember. Church is just a building. And I think that's another thing that this mm-hmm. film is showing. Like, it's oh, the yeah. people who make the church, right? Mm-hmm. And like, no. you can talk about crosses. Like, at home, again, we say, the hatchery crosses up on Andy Hill. Which one you got, which one you talking about? You don't know which, you don't, which cross you're wearing could be, you don't know if that's Jesus or the other two thieves. Mm. And I think I agree with you because, and I think that's an excellent point about the vampire representing a cor- corruption in the church, because as we can clearly see, there, there are hints of corruption from one of the members who, mm-hmm. you know, we, there's like the rumor of like embezzlement and like what happened with the money from the oil spill. And then like her whole thing altogether, um, what was it, Jen or what was her name? Beverly. Be- Beverly. 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 That's right. Bev, uh, I knew it was like a one syllable name that annoys me, Beverly, <laughs> but Bev, it was just like, you know, her especially because you know how, like when they had like the, stu- they had the parents meeting or like the, the community meeting at the church, at the school and they were talking, cause like she was, dissim- like she was handing out Bibles to the students and like some of the parents were like, no, I don't want you teaching my children about religion. And she mm-hmm. just kept on reframing it as like, well, if your children are asking about the miracles happening on this island, it's my duty as a teacher to teach them that like, it would be wrong of me to withheld them. And again, I love Rahu's character because he's a sheriff and um, him and his son are Muslim. And like, you can very much tell that obviously the racism is very blatant with Bev. And she's just like, well, just because your son doesn't know about Jesus. And he, she's like, no, actually. And he's like, no, actually we as Muslims, we know who Jesus is. We love mm-hmm. Jesus. We, we respect him. 
However, I and it and it comes back to like we don't want you to teach our children about the Bible, Bev, because it's very clear that she is corrupt. And she's mm-hmm. one of the, she's definitely a, a force of corruption in the church um, and leading it. And it's just, I think that's a, it was just like the stuff with the Monsignor with the new, you know, him being the, the young priest again and all of that, like that stuff was wild. Like the, like the sermons and everything. Like, I think I would like to rewatch some of the scenes again and even have a Bible and like reference some of the scriptures because like, I, my first thought of like when he showed up I'm like false prophet like you know like that the theme of a false prophet in a church of like somebody who's come and like they're going to preach a good word and like perform miracles to these people and like he gives them hope and everything but actually he is a false prophet and I think that character is interesting in a sense because like that fits him up to a certain point because yeah. It's not that, like you said, it's not that he was so much doing this with ill intentions. I don't think I don't think he did all everything he did with ill intentions because he thought he was giving a gift to his members. But then again, that just makes me question: like, if you thought you was giving a gift to your members, why did you do it in secret in the very beginning? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you say, like, everything done in the dark gonna come to the light. And if you right. continue, you gotta be doing it in the dark. Clearly, it ain't all all up to date. But you said like the thing with false prophets is like they also believe they know what they're doing is wrong, but they wholeheartedly believe that what they're doing is still right because they believe that they 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 have the the the, the they've been blessed by God to do these yes. things that they have the will of God. Like Bab, like she believed that she was loved by God more than anyone else. Yeah. Right. And like. Like you, you're you're talking about the thing of God, but doesn't the Bible say that God loves everyone equally? Mm-hmm. Oh, do you think that you that God values more than anyone else because you believe you're so you're so um that every action you do is so good and in the will of God, like you poison this man's dog, like right. that's evil. Like you're being racist towards a son and his son. That's that's not that's not of God, Mm-mm. right? You're you're belittling you're belittling people and you're judging people. But that's not of God either. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. And another thing that this that this show I think is talking about because I think it does do, do a really good job of drawing analogies to how the church is corrupted and how the mm-hmm. church a, a lot of people use the pulpit and the word of God and yes. religion yes. to as weapons against people. And it does a brilliant job with that. And Bev is I think a very good example of that. And then the and then Monsignor is another example of the the earnest fool who thinks they, they that they're really doing that they're so earnest in their belief and they're so earnest in like doing God's work yeah. that they're leading yeah. the flock astray and they're not checking the wolves that are they getting ready to like attack the sheep right right and so he's a he's a misguided shepherd and and that, mm-hmm. but then my, my problem with the show is the pacing to me is so slow and a, so much of the dialogue yeah. is like a sermon like if you're familiar with church you, you can tell that a lot of the dialogue is structured like sermons mm-hmm. and I couldn't take that. I'm like, yo, I'm like, I spent my whole life in church, like hearing like so many monologues, which are like sermons in one episode, like in one, almost everyone speaks in like a, like a sermon. And that's so much to take in. And it was dragging. I'm like, oh my. Yeah. The only, the, my favorite one was the one by Erin where she talks about death. Yes. And, like, I do the, like that, that monologue. monologue. It was. Like, that was beautiful. And how it was like, and how it got carried out towards the end, like how we see that moment again and how she describes, I'm like, now like, that's how you do a monologue. But like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's why I felt like 
if it wasn't for the reveal by episode three, I think I would have put this show to the side. Granted, I was definitely yeah. here for Hassan, but I, because I was intrigued to see like, okay, what's going on? Because there is a certain level of mystery and like, you know, you like supernatural gets my attention. So I'm like, okay, I want to know what's happening. Um, but I was definitely, I, I felt like in the moments that dragged, I would have been like, oh, I can't do this. So I'm, I think mm-hmm. they made the reveals at the right moment for me to keep watching because the reveals where they're at place, that is what helped with the show. <laughs> but if, it, if they were not there and if they were not as good, then I probably would have just been like, okay, nah, I'm, I'm going to opt out of this. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I liked it. I think I, I liked a lot of the cast performances. I mean, like I said, um, Hassan is my favorite like he has some of my like I think Rahul will give some of the best performances in this in every scene he's in, especially the scene where he is like basically describing why he feels like he can't go and like you know go up against the church and like and like given that the fact that he is a sheriff, just one mm-hmm. sheriff in this in this dying island, and you have this entire town that treats him like he is still an outsider and no one treats him like with a welcoming like love of a neighbor so it's mm-hmm. just like given like and he he gives like his entire back his background like we don't get an episode where we see it but like him just telling that story I think is like captivating in itself but I would tell people to go ahead and watch it give it a watch um hope we didn't spoil too much of it for y'all we didn't yeah, talk about the slow. ending it's but this is no we didn't spoil the ending at all which I think was a I think to me episode seven was my favorite episode mm. out of the entire show um they I think they he really the pace for definitely definitely in, increased and a lot of mm-hmm. story elements came together in episode seven you had a lot yeah. of the best yeah. performances in episode seven um so that was really because I don't think anything we discussed it like, had anything to do with episode seven so you're in for a surprise I mm-hmm. just caution it is slow pacing it is a Okay, so yeah watch this one on a, that, but it's a really good show mm-hmm. yeah like and watch this one. Is really oh yes cinematography is great i was just about to say like yeah watch this one on like a rainy day and you ain't got nowhere to go mm-hmm. and just you know enjoy the slow burn and yep and like you know enjoy the vampire just in a priest robe <laughs> i'm but, sorry that imagery for me that's not something you see very often you, I did not see that very often. And I'm very glad you make that point because like I have been scratching my head of like, how does this vampire work? Because the, crotch, the, the cross didn't burn it <laughs> and the church didn't burn it. How does it work? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a special yep. kind of vampire. And the way how it ends, there's actually like, there's, oh, actually the ending is actually open-ended because you think it's mm-hmm. ended, but then there's something that happens and you're like, wait, did it make it? Mm-hmm. Did it die? Which I think is another allegory of how when you talk about corrupted, we're spreading. Like yeah. you just need one flicker, one thing to go on. So like we I hope it died. I'm like, I hope you drowned. I hope I hope it drowned. I hope I hope it got sunk down, but it definitely drank enough blood to maybe heal itself and flap I think up she again. I think she should have stabbed it. She because she was just cutting the wings. I think she should have stabbed it. I, I was wondering that. why, like you wasting your time, like with the little bit of strength you have left while it drains you, stab him. Stab him in the heart. <laughs> Pull it down and just like gut it. That's what she could have done. Cause it was she had she was in the right position. So I'm like, why did you stab it? And just like Yes. And it oh my God. Sorry. This was just like another thing. 
the thing about the vampire that just made my skin crawl is just like how intimately it would hold the head of its victim it just yeah, made me like, so making out with him you know it's just like how it, it like almost stroking it and which again kind of i kind of get because again a corrupted word is subductive too right mm. look at you dropping gems yes right I like that. see like all my, all my years in, in in church has paid off <laughs> look at you <laughs> um but those oh are my, it for the oh my. I'm oh, gonna, you know what? I just had an idea. Maybe we should. I'll see if we can get the director to be a guest on the podcast. And not that October. Oh, that would be amazing. I would love that. I'm going to try to do that for us. Mm-hmm. So we're almost wrapping up. Yes. Our last show. Mm-hmm. This was one of yours. My pick. Mm-hmm. Yes. This one is a Taiwanese drama called Detention. Mm-hmm. And it is based on a video game of the same name. And also, today, I think it was announced that they're releasing a film based on it, based on the like, the game as well, starring King Gong Wong, who is also in a film that I watched for Tiff called The Falls. Um, but Detention is a supernatural thriller drama, and it's about, it starts at Greenwood High School in the 1990s, where Yong Xiang Lu, a transfer student, steps into the forbidden area on the campus by accident, where she encounters the ghost of Ru Xiang Fang. Fang later unveils a hidden history and trauma over the past 30 years and how a group of young students and teachers hmm. were persecuted as they fought for freedom in the era of censorship. The, their stories keep coming back to the school like haunting nightmares waiting to be told and revealed. So I started this one this week and it's really intriguing. It's like, it's not one of those dramas where it's like, Flash, it's not like, you know, like Flash, you're super exciting, but like the story right. and acting is really good. Where like the lead character, um, Liu Yangxiang, played by Li Ling Wei, and then there's Fang Wuxiang, played by Han Ning, and then the male, male lead character is uh, Cheng Wangliang, played by Huang Guangxi. I think they're really good, like they're all students that are young, and like you have these two, one is a ghost, <laughs> and that's funny thing, because like if, you, if you're familiar with the game, that's what it is like so you have mm-hmm. one is a ghost one is a girl she's she's trying to possess um she's trying to possess uh Xiang Liu and she she's like I want you to do these things for me and Xiang Liu is like ah, I ain't about that but there's there's the way how this show is coming together is like it's showing parallels between the past and the present mm-hmm. and then caught up in between this is these two girls and then there's this young male student um, which again is uh, when young and like he is interesting because he is this is something you also don't see very often in Asian dramas because like sometimes you see shamans mm-hmm. and his family are is a is a it's like a family of shamans like he's passed on generation to generation he's the youngest one but again this is it's not very often you see male shamans one and it's not right, very often right. you see young male shamans and actually the first time I saw a male shaman that I can remember was in when I watched The Wailing, which is a South Korean film early this year, uh, summer. So to see this happening in this drama, and then there's another drama I'm, I'm watching. Um, it's another. It's also another school setting, um, South Korean drama, where you have a female shama, but then there's this male student who is able to see ghosts. Okay. And he's able to interact with them. So again, this is something you also you don't see very often in Asian dramas, where you have the males who are in touch with the spiritual realm. Usually that's something for the f- for female characters so it's interesting mm. i'm actually watching two two shows at the same time with us with the same kind of hmm. characterizations but this one is really interesting um it's 
it it kind of is has like political commentary because it's talking about the political history of Taiwan and the age of censorship. And so you're watching how like the past affects present. You're watching how the past affects like students and young people. And you know, like people say, oh, like this happened 30 years ago, and like this has nothing to do with the younger generation. They're showing you like, yeah, no. It still affects the younger generation because a lot of the things that the adults went through when they were young affects the way they treat the students now. Right. right? So it's really interesting. This one is also on Netflix. Um, I can't wait to see how it ends because I'm wondering, like, will these girls, will, will the three of them band together to like fight against the corrupt teachers? Mm-hmm. Or will it have to be the two students, um, Xun, um, Yun Xiang and Wang Yang, who have to fight against Fang Ruxian? So like, is it, I'm, it, like, I don't know where it's going to go. It's really interesting. And I think the special effects, especially for how they transition from present to past, because like the, the worlds can like collide so that you can have like them existing in the ghost realm. Okay. At the same time as existing okay. in the present. So like the way how they do those transitions is really interesting. So I think they did a great, I think they're doing a really good job of that aspect. It's like, it came out in 2020, but I think it only got onto Netflix recently. So um, I think when he got onto Netflix, I think earlier this year, I had it was it was on my watch list, so that's why I started it because I I had it on my watch list, and I'm like, let me, let me watch this because it's October, and mm. so far so good. Okay, well I'm interested because you know I like anything with the supernatural involved, especially like I know if there's do. I do I don't I don't know I mean like it is the season, but also regularly, especially when it's like. You throw in school age children and seeing ghosts, I'm most likely going to watch it because I'd be like, ooh, let's yeah. see. Especially if it's, it's like a mystery. It has very much of a, a mystery. It has very much of an anime feel, which again makes sense because mm. it's based on a video game. So it's interesting yeah. to have something like this made as a video game first, instead of like the instead of like the live action and then a video game adaptation of it. And if this is a video if it says this is based on a video game, I think this is actually a really good adaptation of a video game because like you kind of, I can kind of see how it would work as a video game, where if you are like mm-hmm. the person playing this avatar, it's like you have to do these, you have to do these tasks, and you know that there's things that they have to find to connect with the ghost realm, and like mm-hmm. tasks that um, the ghost mm-hmm. makes her do. So I can see how that works as a game, but then it's also its own thing as well. So like I think, I think I would like to see what your thoughts are as 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 a manga fan and also someone who plays video. I will definitely, I will definitely give it a watch because it definitely um, reminds me of this series called Rini. Um, and it's um, similar, not, I, I'm not going to say it's too similar, but it's like a girl, This there's a, a boy student who can see ghosts and he basically can't, he like, he offers a service to, like, he uses his powers um, to help people. But then there's also a girl who gains the power to see ghosts also after an accident that happened with her. So it's like they help spirits that are lingering around the school pass on to the next stage of reincarnation. Mm. So I was just like, right. oh, this is giving me vibes of like, you know, I mean, I love this kind of stuff. So I will definitely give it a try, mm. especially if I can find that game. I would like to play that too. I, I'm, so I'm here looking it up. So the name of the game is Detention as well. And okay. it's produced by um, Red Candle. So it's made, created by Red Candle Games. And there's actually another film, a 2019 film. Mm-hmm. So there's a 2019 film, then there's a 2022 drama. And now we have a 2021 film. So I'm not sure if the film, the new film, is a continuation of the original film or if they just like, we just redid the whole mm-hmm. um, story and it's made by a different studio. That mm-hmm. one would be interesting because... Hmm. Who is this one by? 
I'm looking to see who the new film is by. Is by. Oh, well, and I can get it on the Mac. So I'm in business. I will definitely yeah, get to try. Arrives in U.S. theaters on VOD October 8th. So I'm wondering if this is actually the 2019 film mm. that they're mm -hmm. just releasing in American to American studios now. Mm -hmm. American theaters now. It is. So it's not a new film. It's a 2019 film that is not being released to American theaters and on VOD in, in America. Oh, okay. gotcha. Well, so I'm just the one film and the one drama. Nice. Yeah. Well, I look forward to checking that out. I think it is very fitting for the tis the season of spooky season. So thank you for sharing. As usual, you come in hot with the great dramas, especially. <laughs> um, but before we head out, is there anything else that you would like to share? Anything upcoming on your end for our audience? Um, yes. Uh um let me see like i covered we talked about the things that i covered for um tiff before mm -hmm. and so i've done a couple of interviews that were really that were published after that so you can go read those interviews one was with the director loners i released a new episode of beyond the romax that's my other that's my drama podcast i did talk about squid games there but i also talked about hometown cha 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 um yumi sal that's one that we will go into for our next episode because i think mm. i don't know if you've read the webtoon for yumi sal but this one's a really fun um live action adaptation of a webtoon which i wait is it yumi sal you said yumi sells yeah oh my god yeah, yes i have i have read the red webtoons for this one so you have to watch it it's on vicky so like they're doing the live ad the live um action adaptation this is showing it started only like a okay a few weeks ago and it's on Vicky and it's so good. It's so funny. I love the cells. The cells are hilarious. Like, I think Naughty and Hunger and mm -hmm. Detective. No, Naughty Naughty Sense Naughty Sensibility and Hunger are my favorite um cells so far. They're hilarious. I oh my God. want the dolls. I, I hope they make dolls of the cells. They're so <sighs> funny. You know, I hope they do too. You know, I feel like we deserve we need to have like a webtoon to like live action like episode or something like i don't know we could we could just talk about yumi cells next time because i am excited to talk about that with somebody so i'm gonna we watch it on vicky so, <laughs> we can cover it at the end of october because it's so so good i'm actually gonna start reading the webtoons and i know i'm gonna have so much to catch one because it's like five oh. years work because it's starting in 2015 to 2020 mm -hmm. oh that's a lot there's a there's a there's a second there's a sequel but it's not about yumi cells but it's right. like a is, but it's like both characters but in the same universe mm -hmm. so someone told me about it i'm gonna start watching that so i'm gonna try to watch it as it's happening now so mm -hmm. instead of me catching up five years later i'm gonna try to watch it as they're being as the stories are being published mm -hmm. so yes i can't remember the name i'll let you know what the name is but yeah we can talk about that one in our october um episode for sure awesome well i look forward to it um as for me like i said i've been taking a, a bit of a break from like writing reviews right now just with school but you know i still love to get in my manga and anime so i might have some things coming up soon like i know the new my hero academia movie is coming out so i'm very excited about getting the opportunity to watch that and then talk about that in great detail over on did you have to the uh, the anime podcast that i do with kate and you know i'm sure the will be other things that come up that I will be happy to share with y'all but in closing I do want to remind y'all again that we have all throughout the month of October we at like 
podcasters like me and Carolyn are helping to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital with St. Jude Play Live. So if y'all would be so kind, please go to stjude.org forward slash but why though? You can learn all about it. You can see the rewards that we get. If like not, we get the rewards that you get when you get us to certain goals. So again, if you get to three, if we get to three thousand dollars, I have to eat a candy corn pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I will have many regrets in my life, but I'm <laughs> doing it for the children. For the kids. So, for the kids. Yeah. So I won't regret it for doing it for the children. But anyways, again, that is stjude.org forward slash but why though. Please go over there, donate if you can, spread the word, help us reach our goal of $5,000 this year. And mm-hmm. with that, y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Nisha Plays. I have some, oh, I have some cosplays coming up. So y'all keep an eye out for that because spooky season. And yeah, what about you, Carolyn? Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie Sanich. So that's here or Sanich one too. You can find my most recent pub, um, published work, new YouTube videos, new interviews, whatever. Usually my pin tweets, and then um, you can find my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. That's C R O L Y N H I N D S on YouTube. And um, I think that's it. I'll be taking a kind of sort of big mini break in October. I'll still be on social media, but for like then. Um, I won't be doing as much work as I have been because I'll be taking a break for health reasons, but I'll, I might still be doing a couple of like, tweets, you know, like for you, me, because so I just love that drama. It's mm-hmm. so funny. And I've been like tweeting home till cha-cha-cha. So I've been using the hashtag dramas with Carrie. Go follow that hashtag. Um, see what dramas I'm talking about. Also the Saturday Night Sci-Fi hashtag to, for the films and the TV shows that we like tweet every Saturday night um at 10 p.m eastern those are fun those are great you can join in the last one we did recently was for star wars visions which i love my favorite episodes mm, were that's the right. my, my favorite episodes were the duel which is the first one and then episode uh four which i think was called the ninth jedi yes ninth jedi and twins and, yes and mm. village bright oh and Vi- oh my god i love village bright so much there's so yeah. oh there's one just- scene in there where the scene where she crouches down and lights up the saber. I think that scene was so cool. It's so simple, but it's so cool. It's so good. I just love that. Like, I can't believe so I almost forgot to talk about it. You know, this again will be something we can cover in another episode because we have kept y'all here long enough. But yes, go watch that also. <laughs> uh, yes, but yeah. that's on Disney+. Plus. Yes, on Disney+. Plus. But y'all take care and go donate at stjude.org forward slash. But why though? Bye. Yay! Make Nisha eat candy corn. Bye! Mm.